You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. The last time I rented an apartment was about eight years ago. It was in downtown Toronto. It was in one of the nicest buildings in the city, steps away from everything, but also tucked away and quiet. And it was one bedroom plus den with a huge bathroom. And it was 1,000 square feet. And here is the part that's really going to hurt you if you're a renter right now. It cost us a little under $1,700 per month. And that was after our rent was raised once. I just checked this morning, and a similar apartment in that same building right now goes for $3,150. That is more than my monthly mortgage. I don't understand how renters can do this. The percentage of Canadians who are renting is growing. As it stands, the number of places they can rent is not. So it's not rocket science to see why prices are through the roof, but understanding why doesn't fix a problem. And this is a problem that actually goes back decades. The best way to explain how we got here might be this. When we were living in that beautiful, affordable downtown apartment with plenty of room for us and lots of amenities and everything else that made it such a great deal, do you know what people asked us? So, when are you planning to buy? Are you saving up for a down payment? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Brad Bedelt is a freelance print and audio journalist. He's based in Vancouver, but he wrote about rental problems that exist across the country and potential solutions in The Walrus. Hello, Brad. Good morning. Why don't we start with the situation on the ground right now? You know, how many Canadians uh, rent their homes or apartments? And predominantly, where do those Canadians live? Yeah, roughly uh, a third of adults in Canada rent and two-thirds buy. That percentage of renters is much higher in urban centers like Vancouver and Toronto and lower in smaller communities or rural areas where, where most people own. And how has that been trending, either over the past you know, several years or even over the past uh, handful of decades? Well, over the last decade or so, since 2011, according to StatsCan, uh, renters have been growing rapidly. The, the portion of renters has grown at roughly twice the rate as the portion of owners in Canada. But that's a big shift. So prior to 2011, there had been a slow, steady increase in home ownership going back to the 40s, I believe. So uh, definitely a shift about 10 years ago. One of the reasons that uh, I wanted to talk to you about this issue is that, you know, your piece tackles, obviously, um, the numbers and the situation that that renters face, but also sort of how it's perceived in this country. And you write in the piece about renting, despite being, you know, a third of adult Canadians, as you say, being seen as a temporary situation. What do you mean by that? And can you give me some examples? Yeah, I, I think... Renting is still seen as as a stepping stone to ownership, that it, it's not a destination unto itself. And I think there are still perceptions that uh, renters are, are young people, people who are maybe just starting in their career. Mm-hmm. One of the housing experts I spoke to for the story referred to the cult of home ownership here in Canada. And I think 
in my experience, that, that's pretty true. It, it's it's very common to be asked, you know, are you looking to buy? When are you going to buy? Yeah, a sense that renting is 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 almost a purgatory to put a bit of a, a, a dramatic spin on it, but rather than an, an, an endpoint unto itself. There's a number of examples of that. I would say one is that trying to find a rental suite for a family, a three-bedroom rental suite, or even a four-bedroom is really difficult. You know, rental suites tend to be studio apartments or one bedrooms. Right. Uh, and I think that's an indication or maybe a relic of what uh, renting maybe was at some point in time, but certainly isn't today. For how long has that perception been around? Was it, you know, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, was it still seen as like a stepping stone to homeownership? Or, you know, did people settle down and, and live in those three-bedroom rentals for, you know, until they retired? Yeah, I mean, certainly in the, the, the 50s, 60s, even through the 70s, there was a lot more purpose-built rental construction happening. So buildings that were built specifically to rent to people. But through that time, there was a steady shift to encouraging, incentivizing, enabling home ownership. There was a real goal that you know most Canadians would would own their home. Uh, and what happened through that is is through the 80s and 90s, we saw less purpose-built rentals. We saw more condos being built in urban centers. Uh, and we saw rentals shifting to more of a private arrangement uh, where you're renting the basement suite, you're renting an extra bedroom right. off of off of a homeowner. And that, that's an important shift. I think there's a real difference between living in a purpose-built rental building and living in someone's basement, uh, you know, that, that could be renovated, that could be sold uh, on fairly short notice. Why did we stop building that purpose-built uh, rental housing, especially the bigger units? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a few reasons for that. One is through the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of Kind of austerity measures at the government level. So spending on affordable housing, spending on rental buildings really dried up. Hmm. At the same time, I think there was a real awareness that home ownership can be an economic driver for the country. And right. so what started out as things like insured mortgages, which are a great thing, tilted more towards tax incentives and other programs to really encourage home ownership and kind of by default then draw away from, from the rental side. Well, let's talk about the 33% of the country that rents right now. You know, we've covered uh, extensively on this show the housing crisis, the unaffordability uh, of homes for young people or people starting families. But but what's the situation in the rental market? What is it like out there uh, across the country in terms of availability and price? And how's it been trending? Yeah, it's interesting over the last year or so where we've seen interest rates going up and housing prices starting to, to to level off, rental prices haven't followed that trend. So rental prices have continued to increase sharply. The latest numbers I saw uh, showed in Vancouver and Toronto, year-over-year year rent increased by on the order of 20%, which is a huge increase in a year. Wow, yeah. And it's not just a, a big city thing. The community of Kitchener-Waterloo stands out to me. They, they had increases of well over 20%. There were a number of smaller, maybe mid-sized communities in the list that saw similar spikes. And it's tied, certainly here in Vancouver, and I believe Toronto as well, the, the vacancy for rent right now is, is hovering around 1%. So, you know, supply is very low, demand is high, and... Uh, and you're seeing that huge increase in rents. The gradual rise of rents um, is not a recent phenomenon, but, you know, to your point, it not leveling off uh, as the housing market does is a little surprising to me. I guess what's happening uh, in the market to squeeze renters like that? 
Yeah, I think one of the things you're seeing now is is that increase in the number of renters. There, there is certainly a, a generation of people who have not been able to get into the housing market. And as housing prices went up through the pandemic so steeply, I think as I put it in the story, the train has left the station. Like they are not getting into the housing ownership market. And so it's creating this squeeze where there's more and more people now that are looking to rent, but the supply really hasn't kept up and that's changing. There is more rental being built in in the big cities uh, at the moment, but it's certainly lagging behind uh, that demand. When you talk about uh, those rentals that are being built, are those purpose-built rentals or are they more... I just look at the skyline in downtown Toronto and I see uh, a ton of those studio apartments, one-bedroom condos. Mm-hmm. Um, is that changing at all or no? Yeah, it's it's changing, but I would say quite recently. So purpose-built rentals, you're seeing in certainly the urban centers again, cities are starting to encourage, even incentivize purpose-built rental buildings. Uh, And that's been a fairly recent trend, but you are seeing more of that construction now and a little less of the condominium construction, which really dominated cities throughout the the 90s, 2000s for for decades. Uh, But that that is shifting now, I would say. How long does it take for that shift to actually start impacting people who are looking uh, for housing, whether it's uh, rental or ownership right now? We see these things going up What's the typical turnaround until there's enough meaningful supply on the market to make a difference? Oh, that's a that's a tricky question to answer. I mean, a project from kind of its conception through all the permitting to being built to someone living in it is is several years, many right. years in some cases. So this this is not a ship that's going to turn around quickly, I wouldn't say. But it's really hard to speculate. You know that this is uh, the population in in the bigger cities, in particular, is continuing to grow as well. So it's not just increasing supp- supply; it's it's increasing supply above and beyond uh, the growth in, in in our cities. So houses too expensive to buy. Um, people need to turn to rentals. There's not enough purpose-built rentals. Rent is rising very quickly. No easy way to put this. How screwed are we? Well, <laughs> that's an interesting question. I, I think at this very moment, if you are a renter, it, it's a difficult situation trying to find stable, affordable long-term rent. Uh, and I don't think that's going to turn around in a matter of of months or quickly, but there are some encouraging signs. So there are more purpose-built rental buildings being built across the country right now. It's in the national housing strategy. There are indications that cities are pushing for more two-bedroom, three-bedroom, even four-bedroom units to be constructed. And, and you know, that that's a bit of a, a battle. There's certainly less market for those units, but there is a need for them. So those things are happening right now. Rental protections are coming into place across the country or strengthening across the country. So there's certainly encouraging trends. It's just a question of uh, how quickly can these shifts make up for the, the kind of booming demand for these units. Let's talk a little bit about what it could look like, because your piece in The Walrus asks, you know, what would it take to make Canada a nation of renters? And you look around the globe. Can you point us to some places where, you know, renting is sustainable even for a family and seen as like a stable way to live rather than transitional? And what are those places doing uh, that we aren't yet? The one that stood out to me, and I, I, I speak to it in the story, is is Germany. So Germany has uh, a really high portion of renters. It's over half of adults in Germany rent. But what really struck me is when I spoke to a housing expert from Germany, he indicated that home ownership is not really a big deal there. It's not a, you know, a, a, a conversation on Friday night. When are you going to buy? Do you buy or do you own? They're really seen as fairly. It, it's a choice whether you choose to own, whether you choose to buy. 
There's a few reasons for that. One is that Germany followed quite a different path than Canada post-World War II. Germany, uh, if you buy a home and then sell a home, you will pay tax on that profits made on it, that capital gain. Some of the homeowner incentives that we have here, the first-time home buyer's credit, other benefits like that, Germany does not have that. There's really no, I would say, there's no favoritism towards homeownership over renters. The other piece that stood out is that they really have a culture of renting there. I think the average tendency is 11 years, quite common for people to work with their landlord to make some tweaks, renovations to the apartment to suit. A lot of apartments actually don't come with kitchen cabinets, which strikes huh. me as very odd, but it's uh, people people bring in, people install their own kitchen cabinets as a, as a personal piece in the apartment. So it really struck me as how different that is from, from here in Canada in terms of the culture and approach to it. What would it take to shift that culture? You mentioned some positive things that are happening um, at the government level in terms of building incentives and renter protections. Mm-hmm. How do you even start to shift that culture away from sort of homeownership being seen as like the crown jewel? Yeah, I think it's I think it's tricky because two thirds of voters right now are homeowners, right. uh, and I think it's going to be really difficult to shift some of those benefits away from home homeownership and and to put more support into into renting. You know, as as we're seeing right now with with interest rates uh, going up and the pushback that's starting to come from that, I think there's a, a a limit to how much you can shift support to renting here in this country right now. Where I do think that's going to change though is is the number of renters is growing. The number of people who rent and vote is growing. And I think that's going to start to shift the, the conversation around you know, how we support and enable renters in this country. I think as it grows from one third upwards, that conversation is naturally going to, to evolve. And another piece that I'm interested to see is even in popular media, how much popular culture, how much we start to see renting reflected, whether that's in TV, movies, whatnot, uh, to kind of normalize this this trend that we're seeing. Is it just inevitable, like a pendulum, that it kind of swings this way? Um, spent decades swinging towards homeownership. There's no more homes left to buy at affordable prices in many places in the country. And so, like, people's living situation then dictates uh, the policy as people try to win elections. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's inevitable, Okay, But I mean, as space gets tighter and we see more and more density, particularly in our cities, and I think as people move more, that's an important piece that people don't, you know, typically buy their home at 21 as maybe they did uh, in the 1950s and live in that home for the rest of their lives. People move from city to city quite commonly now and not just in their 20s, but throughout their life at times uh, as their career demands. And that's where renting probably plays a bigger role. So I think I think there will continue to be a shift towards renting. How much so, uh, I I think it's difficult to guess at this point. You mentioned some of the protections that are coming online now and the incentives. What are you watching for in the next few months? What do we know about uh, what we might see over the next, I don't know, six months, a year? Yeah, I mean, protections are are actually pretty decent here in British Columbia where, where I am. And I believe they're pretty strong in Ontario as well in terms of if you're in a unit, a landlord can't, can't arbitrarily just raise the rent 20%. Right. But it's fraught with loopholes. And I think they're tricky loopholes to plug. Uh, the classic one is the renovation. If a landlord wants to renovate, they can evict the tenants uh, with appropriate notice uh, and then reopen the suite at a time in the future at a much higher rent. I mean, that's a legitimate reason. Sometimes people want to renovate, but it's definitely has been abused and, and probably still is. So... In terms of tenant protection, I, I think we'll continue to see governments try to fill those loopholes and strengthen tenant protection. 
I am curious with with kind of the uptick in, in rental housing happening. I certainly see it here in Vancouver, and I know it's happening in Toronto as well, how that starts to hopefully level off uh, rental prices. But I'm really interested in seeing how the culture starts to shift as we see more and more people living in these uh, rental buildings, uh, especially in our cities. Uh, Vancouver right now, is, it's 50-50 in terms of rentals, renters and owners in Toronto is similar. Uh, what happens when that tips to, to 60-40, when renters are actually the dominant population in some of these these cities? It will be fascinating to watch as uh, the market evolves. Brad, thank you so much for walking us through this. Thanks for uh, talking with me. Brad Bedelt, writing in The Walrus. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca, of course. You can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. And you can email us at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. This podcast is available in your favorite podcast player, in your least favorite podcast player, and in middling podcast players everywhere. You can also ask a smart speaker to play The Big Story podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.